When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. Do not go gentle into that good night. Poetry, I feel, is a tyrannical discipline. I was trying to tell a story. The book came to me in a sort of a haze. This is how to write a good short story. No hope, just booze and madness. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Now... Lend me your ears. Hello, hello, greetings, salutations. Ciao, buenos dias, top of the morning to you. Good eye, mate. Hello, governor. Bonjour, Jim Apple, Michael. <laughs> and my Jim Apple is Colin. Howdy, and welcome to Literati, a podcast about books and the idiots who write them. Sorry for all those greetings, but we just can't help ourselves. You see, we're insufferably well-versed. That's because Colin and I are writers. Guilty as charged, Michael. (laughs) Although sometimes I feel more like a wronger than a writer. (laughs) That's one of the things I've written. Oh, Colin, you are wicked. Wickedly clever. Thank you. (laughs) Now, I'm sure that many of you listeners are writers as well, and I can tell because of the general air of sadness and suffering that sort of floats around this podcast. Mm, It's coming through the microphones. Can you all feel that? It kind of hangs thick in the air and makes it hard to move around. And it Also stinks pretty bad. Yeah, you can definitely smell that odor. There's a slight yet undeniable stench that tends to follow writers around. It's sweat mixed with cigarettes and convenience store meats that ends with an oaky finish. A deep oaky finish. Mm. Musky. Now, what are some other ways to spot a writer, you ask? Well, let me tell you. First, keep an eye out for people with bad posture who sigh often and loudly. Kind of like this. (sighs) Because writers are almost always forlorn about something. So just sort of keep an eye for that distant, faraway look in their eyes. Writers tend to dress like hobos, but speak like old-timey kings and queens. If you're talking to someone who purposefully uses big words to be confusing, there's a good chance they're a writer. Impeccably conveyed, my dear boy. My gratitude's towards your sentiments. Indubitably. Another way to spot a writer is if you see someone drinking coffee. Anyone you see drinking coffee is 99% likely a writer. Coffee's gross and nasty, not like yummy soda. So the only reason someone would drink it is to fuel their bad novel. You think someone drinking a milkshake is breaking their brain trying to craft the next great American novel? No way, Jose. They're a happy person living their life. Also, that person sulking in the corner of your party who claims to be an introvert and hates small talk? Writer. And that's the end of ways to know who's a writer. Now, speaking of writers, we have an incredible writer for you today. But before we get started, Colin, I was wondering if I could tell you something. Oh, yeah, sure, Michael. Go ahead. There's been this weight that I've been carrying around my whole life, and it's gotten a lot worse recently. Oh, my God. This darkness that rests inside my soul, and sometimes I worry that... Wow! I'm I'm already bored. 
<laughs> okay. Oh. Do you know what we were just showing you? Um, when you're telling a story, it's imperative to hook the reader with the first line. Oh, I didn't... Or they might just put down that book forever. Oh, uh, that's right. I, but I wasn't trying to demonstrate anything, Colin. I've just been having a tough time lately. Michael, was... you lost me, and I don't care anymore. You had your chance to hook me, and you blew it. You know what? That is a very fair point. Mm. It is crucial to hook the reader immediately with that first line. I mean, if I had really wanted to grab Colin's attention, it would have started with something a little bit more exciting. You know, a real cry for help. Something like, uh, though he didn't know it, Michael would be dead by midnight. Now, isn't that more enticing? Don't you want to know more? I'll be fine. <laughs> it is enticing. Unfortunately, I still don't care. Now, today, we're going to help you craft the perfect first line to your book. Because if the first line is good, nothing else really matters, right? Right. Now, it's nearly impossible to get a human being to read a book, so it's imperative that you pull them in with a killer first line or they'll just throw the book away in disgust. Now, in order for the first line to be great, it must give you three things. Who, what, and a twist. Ooh, I was not expecting that third one. Those are the basic building blocks of any good first sentence. And you can check any classic book and see that that is how it started. Don't believe us? Well, let's try it out. The famous first line in Moby Dick, as we all know, is, Call me Ishmael. Well, let's break it down. So we've got the who, that's me in Call me Ishmael. The what is the reader needing to call me something. And the twist is, I have a dumb name like Ishmael. Perfect. Now I'm intrigued and will be for the next 800 pages. Once I'm in, I'm all the way in, baby. Just like with you and meth. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Still am in. Let's do another one. The first line of Margaret Atwood's sci-fi classic Oryx and Crake starts like this. Snowman wakes before dawn. Okay, cool. Who? Snowman. Duh. All the info you need on that. What? Wakes. Cool, cool. Good morning, snowman. The twist. He wakes before dawn? What, what the fuck? Snowman is an early riser? Okay, <laughs> that's wild. I would have assumed the snowman would sleep until at least dawn. I mean, quarter past dawn at least. You're crazy <laughs> for this one, snowman. Now, we do try not to be negative here at Literati, the podcast about books and the idiots who write them, but sometimes it is useful to point and laugh at failures. So we wanted to give you a list of some really terrible first lines that miss the mark and, to be totally honest, fucking suck. Really fucking suck. And I'm sorry to swear, but to be honest, they just fucking suck ass. So try to never start a book with lines as bad as these. If you're writing and your first line is anything like these, just burn that book and start again. Okay, ready? It was the first day of the Dragon Wars for everyone who lived in the kingdom of Daruk, except for Blake, who had accidentally locked himself in his milk cellar. All right, time for another terrible opening line. Time to die, said the protagonist, who then did. Jennifer stood before the World Council and proudly proclaimed, I will use my time to count to a trillion. One, two, three, four. Five. Six. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family probably has a sick dog who makes a mess everywhere. Get rid of that dog! Here's another terrible first line. Big stinky stuff. I bet I could eat a whole train, shouted God. It was a bleak and dreary Tuesday in London when the detective received his colonoscopy. 
I am the narrator, and I can't be trusted. Here's another example of a first line that you shouldn't write. Turn to page 35 to explore the toilet factory. Elves are real, and I know because I ate one. So as long as your first line to your novel is at least better than the worst of those, you're off to a pretty good start. And now it's time to talk to somebody who never has any trouble starting a book, let alone finishing one. We are very excited to have our reader for the evening. Uh, He's won so many awards. Please welcome Dr. Isaiah Padge. I'm so excited. So freaking excited. Hello, I'm Dr. Isaiah Padge, and this is a selection from my novel, Ethan Jericho, Legendary Man. Caged, 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 caged. There are so many prisons in one's life. The first, so lauded by sentimentalists and Freudian analysts, is none other than the womb, the prison of the mother. Ethan Jericho, our hero, had escaped this prison long ago, but could still feel its effects, the umbilical tug. His mother was of no use to him anymore. The teat had long run dry. And yet, and yet, and yet. Her hair colored by a bottle. Her home precise and ordered and suffocating. Her obsession with daffodils. Why could he not break the shackles tethering him to this woman? This silly old biddy. So many prisons. Ethan Jericho did not work. He was spared that, at least. Even the most accursed life has some minor blessings, small though they may be. He did not work because he was a multimillionaire, his fortune given to him by his mommy and daddy. But the prison of wealth. What does one do when one has everything? Yachts? He'd sunk hundreds. Generations of fish had made civilizations in the skeletons of Ethan Jericho's former vessels. Women, then? Ethan had had them, too. Every type, every age, even babies. But the thrill of feminine conquest was gone, extinguished, not a fire anymore. So what to do with his wealth? Charity? A quaint idea. Noble, some would say. But those same people called Christopher Columbus noble as he slaughtered the proud native peoples with his white gun. Sorry, Spanish gun. Italian? The point being, Ethan Jericho would not waste his wealth on charity, for he saw charity for the farce it was, a trite custom, a self-serving grab for attention, and also sort of gay. No, Ethan Jericho already knew what he must do. But his destiny wasn't easy. He didn't have the gift of poverty. How Ethan envied that simple life, scrambling from one job to the next, hurriedly gathering coin the way an ant grabs crumbs to stave off the coming winter. Everything was so clear. Work hard or die, and then inevitably die anyway. What a blessing. Alas, Ethan's wealth did not afford him such luxury. He would have to carve his own path. But what path? Simple. 
Ethan Jericho was going to start murdering people he thought deserved to die. Not a common thug, but a masked avenger. A vigilante, like the American heroes inked across the pages of serialized comic books. A warrior for justice, but not the justice of the American judicial system. So flawed, so corrupt. Nor would he kill in the name of some Hebrew god or Islamic Allah, though both of those proud, beautiful peoples were strong and deserving of white awe. Not white fetishizing, mind you, just white awe. No, Ethan would kill for Ethan, because he was the only human being with a pure moral compass. He would do it so that he might break the cages of those in cages, and to break out of his own cage, the cage of society. I will pause here for questions from the listeners. It's just you. There's no, um, I thought they could call in. Oh, no, this isn't, this isn't live. This isn't live. No, it's, uh, this will probably go out in a few weeks. Oh, I feel, uh, this is pre-recorded. We're yeah. not even supposed to be talking to you. Yeah, oh. I feel like I'm... Oh, I didn't, that's sort of, I, yeah. that's sort of tacky, I think. Oh, yeah. I thought this was radio. I could, I could give out my personal cell phone. I think you should, but I'll I'll go on. I don't. Yeah, um, yeah that would take a while. I'm fine. No, I don't want feedback. I don't need feedback. Just curious. All right, uh, I'll skip ahead then. Tacky. Ethan Jericho was covered in a spray of human blood. As always, he felt a twinge of guilt at the taking of another life, but then Ethan reminded himself that this man had deserved to die. Was it Ethan's fault that this man had talked too loudly on his cell phone? No, it was not. And so Ethan swore he would feel no guilt as he severed the man's head and feasted on his innards. Feasting on people's innards was now part of his unshakable interior justice system. Does Ethan scare you, dear reader? Answer the book aloud as you read. It doesn't matter if you're on a train or plane or sitting beside your spouse who sleeps next to you, dreaming of another lover. Speak to the book. Whisper your answer into its pages. If you're reading on an e-reader, whisper to the e-page. If you're reading Braille, I bow to you, O proud and noble blindman. If you're listening to an audiobook, Turn the page now. Congratulations. You've won an American dollar. I'll pause here for questions again. Any? Any letters, maybe? Did people write in letters for me? Uh, We got a couple of spam emails, but I don't know if this is the time to go through those. I don't think that would be appropriate. Yeah, we didn't get any physical That's fine. I'll I'll keep going. Here. I'll skip ahead. (laughs) Ethan Jericho wielded the flaming blade of the she-wizard Bathshishtata. Christ stood before him, holding a loaf of bread in one stigmatted hand and a flapping fish in the other. Typical, Ethan thought. He sliced through the prophet with the cursed sword and the Messiah's cabernet blood 
painted the sky. There would be no resurrection this time. Fall prey to Bastistista's sword, and your soul was damned. It didn't matter if your mother was a virgin and your daddy was God himself, El Shaddai. Ethan Jericho had killed God, or God's visage on earth, depending on how you interpret the text. He'd gotten what he'd wanted. But now he realized, in a black flash of despair, that he still wanted more. Caged, 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 caged. That is the end of chapter one. Hi everybody, Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. Wow. Incredible. Dr. Isaiah Padge, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Truly an honor. Wow. I just wanted to start by saying we don't know that much about Columbus, do we? Well, the records are all false, um, mm. and as is most of history, yeah. written by liars and, and sneak thieves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to sort of piece it together for yourself. And that's one of the things I love about history is mm. that it's sort of, it's not just, it's whoever writes the best story and then destroys whatever was written before. Exactly. The, the novelist as a crusader. If you will, mm-hmm. I, I do take that approach to uh, uh, when I the circle I keep uh, of friends are mostly writers. Uh, I do try to go out and destroy their works. I think Just, it's smart. Yeah, yeah. People say jealousy's bad, but I find it's the only thing that makes me wake up in the morning. Yeah, that and a fresh pot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? Ah! Ah, we're writers, so you know <laughs> we love coffee. We have vices. Mm. <laughs> I, now, I loved this character of Ethan Jericho. I, I feel like he was almost a sort of, I don't know, anti-hero. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Oh. Or was he just oh. a straightforward Like not a, not a hero, but like a an anti-hero. So like a villain? Not a, quite a villain. He was like a hero, but uh, he wasn't like me, you know? He was different than me. Okay. But like you still root for him, right? I rooted for him from start to finish of chapter. I guess one. I found myself rooting for him too. What do you think, Doctor Isaiah Padge? I think these are very interesting opinions. I sort of think of him as anti-character. I think there's huh. never been anything like Ethan Jericho before. I think he stands alone as a work of literature, a work of merit. And I, I, th- I think he's not hero. He's not villain. He's not human. He's not fake. I've touched Ethan Jericho. What? I've, I've loved him. Uh, but he, I did create him. Does Wait. that make sense? It should. I got all of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, for, for sure. I feel like if I said uh, no, then you would laugh at me, and I'd feel dumb. So I'm gonna say, despite a voice inside me quite loudly uh-huh. saying that I should press on and dig further, 
I'm going to say yes, I understood fuller. That's good. I, I, this is a little uh, unasked for writing advice. Uh, to writers who want to start writing, um, mm-hmm. listen to that negative voice in your head, yeah. that inner critic, and and let that have full reign of you. Okay. It's wow. always wow. right. This sh- this is shit. Mm-hmm. This s- is terrible. Mm-hmm. I should I should never do this. All right. Always yeah. listen to that. That Always. voice is your soul. Yeah. That's your soul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just want to, uh, for all the listeners, uh, oh. uh, we are not just starting to write. Michael and I are. We're writers. I have I I have started to write many times. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I feel like once once you have that's advice for you guys at home. Yeah, yeah. That's for you. Yes. At home, because could like you just once, say it one more time? Just because like now I have a the advice. Pen out. Yeah. Listen to your inner uh-huh. critic. Uh-huh. It is to your soul. Critic. That is your soul. Mm. Great. So everybody at home should have time to have. Memorize Great. that. And, and the inner critic. Uh, mm. So I definitely have the inner critic. It relates to my work all the time saying, ah. this is shit, this is bullshit. Sometimes I find, though, my inner critic, it starts like going off the rails and kind of like attacking like the way I feel about how I yeah. look, yes. the way I feel what about- What you eat. Yeah. yeah. It's and, not just about and the writing. And and so like that starts to get annoying. Is there anything that the listeners at home or me, but mainly the listeners at home, but mainly me could do about that? Succumb. Succumb okay. to it fully. Mm-hmm. What if it like really hurts my feelings though? Even better. Okay. I, I'd say, Colin, the best thing you could do is just sort of try to look better. Mm. Carry yourself better. That's Don't be such a advice. dipshit. Oh, and then just make better life choices. And then the inner critic would have nothing to criticize. Exactly. Okay. exactly. When you write as I do, which is perfectly, mm-hmm. your yes. inner critic is silent. And then you know I'm doing perfectly. I don't even edit. I've yes. never made a typo. Everything about me is wonderful. <laughs> do you sometimes yeah. have to check in and be like, inner critic? Are you there? I have no time for it. I'm too busy. Critics just like, I'm taking a nap and a road trip. You've turned the tables. You have uh, insulted uh, your inner critic. You give uh, the inner critic shit. You're like, you (laughs) fucking (laughs) suck at this inner critic. It's true. Why don't you say something, inner critic? And And you just cower in the corner of your soul. Like, leave me alone. I've I've got him trapped. (laughs) Right where I want him. And you're a doctor, so we're going to listen. I am a listen. doctor. I did want to ask, well, what kind of doctor are you? Exactly. Wonderful question. Thank you. When you go to school to get uh-huh. an education, sure. uh, a lot of times you're there for a long time, and they're mm. saying, oh, study medicine, study this. <laughs> when I went, they just said, oh, my God, I've never had a student like you before. And I was quickly doctored. I was do- doctorated <laughs> almost you right immediately. You got indoctrinated. They, they took yes. one look at you. Yes. Wow. Well, you, you know, got they indoctrinated. Read, I got indoctrinated right away and uh, they would give me the diploma Great. the whole thing was this one of those schools at sea How, like on a boat yeah <laughs> I'm not familiar with these boat schools I don't know I mean that's where I got my degree it was a distinguished university that has since burned to the ground <laughs> wow I got went to a stingray university oh. and it well let's just say it's at the bottom of the ocean do, oh, do schools out at sea have the same sort of like you know like Oh, there's no laws. There's like international, like maritime law. Maritime law. Like the teachers hit you if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I, no bones about it. The teachers hit you pretty hard. Hit you with bones, I yeah. bet. Yeah. Instead of recess, we just have uh, time to be sick. <laughs> oh, over the side of the yeah. boat. Yeah. No dramamine. No dramamine. That's a day one thing. <laughs> so you went to a, a very distinguished school that exactly. burnt to the ground. Burned to the ground. So there is no record of it. No record All of the school. All we have is your word. All that... the teachers died. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what was your... 
uh, area of expertise? Are you a doctor of letters? Doctor of letters, doctor of medicine, too. I have performed <laughs> surgeries. I, you got both letters and medicine? Yes, letters and medicine. I'm a double doctor, double Whoa. D, if you will. Yeah. Oh, there's the letters coming out, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it checks out. I do have these boils all up and down. Ah, Could yes. you look at those real quick? I don't want to. They're disgusting. <laughs> okay. But I'd say well, apply a, a paste, an ointment of types, okay. uh, and it'll clear up. I'm, I guess. Smash together leaves you find. Okay. I mean, it couldn't hurt. I do live right by uh, what's called Poison Ivy Park. So I will... <laughs> what a fun name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, rent is cheap. Um, oh, and Poison Ivy Park. It's just nice to be around nature. Uh, but, you know, I'm not lovely. too far from um, Big Mean Fish Creek. Which Big, is a water feature. Yes. And you live in the city. It's less water, more of sludge. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's big called, mean fish. Yes, I live in Small Island City. It's just north of Greenpoint, and well, it sounds it's cheap. Lovely. But I have seven rooms. Is it is Small uh, Island near Long Island? It's just underneath it. <laughs> oh. oh, you really do love the sea. Don't you I, gotta invite me over. This sounds like a magical place. I wish I just got to get all seven of my roommates to sign off. Ah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're a doctor. Mm. That's amazing. That's a fact. And uh, I, I want to check know, it, but the school burned to the ground. Tragically, yeah. I want to know how you made this transition to writing, or have you always been writing, or how, how does that? Because I can barely go to see a doctor because I'm so busy. Right? How can you be a doctor and also write? My first novel was published when I was 12 years old. Holy! And fuck. it won the Pulitzer Prize. And after that, I sort of just you know, it just sort of what am I? I am a writer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just am a writer. So I had the time to be a doctor. I write yeah. by accident. You know, it just flies out of me. Book, yeah, when book, you, book, 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 book. When and, you win the Pulitzer at 12, 12 years old, then, yeah. you know, it's sort of like, I guess I'll, I've already done, I've already achieved all I can achieve in this medium. I'll become a doctor, I guess. Yes, it is sort of like that. And then, you know, you work for the Nobel, but then you get that at 16. Wow. And and then uh, it's like, what, we, what's there left to do? Yeah, can we? Can we? Uh, I'm I'm sure that there must be a place that has records of the the Pulitzer. Yeah, call the- Nobel, call Pulitzer, <laughs> call them. Okay, well, we will definitely make an effort and put that into this podcast retroactively when yeah. we find it. Just, you're that. making a lot of claims, and I guess like we these are all things we can check, except the school that burned to the ground. But we can check. What these I want to say later, is the yeah. way that you're talking about it is so confident. I don't even yeah. want to check. That's how I, I don't really need to. You know when they say, um, <clears throat> if you want to get the free breakfast at the hotel, you yeah. know, just sort of walk in and say a room number, you know, act confidently. I find that you can walk through life that way. Yeah. I've won major awards at before I was <laughs> a, a legal adult. Yeah. Major <laughs> literary award. I, so, I just do, will we will we get in trouble for uh for uh Having that advice on it, like just telling people how to walk in and steal, lunch, them, steal breakfast them from a hotel. Code of life. Yeah, we, Alex, we, we're not sponsored by Hilton anymore, are we? Alex, no, we're okay, not. Great. We lost that one. Okay. Okay. okay, so yeah, I think that I think we're okay. good. I, I just want to say that you know, since these are real, you won the Pulitzer Prize, you yes. won the Nobel. Of course, just, and this should be so easy to very quickly answer mm. and not even really have to think about it, stumble or like, you know, grasp of at all. Course. What was the name of that first book you wrote? Mm. Stained Glass. Okay, I mean, there you that go. That sounds fantastic. That sounds really good, and it was about the church. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that. I just want to double down on that advice about the inner critic. Mm. 
and aiming for perfection. If you yes. at home are hoping to be a writer, yes. if you are looking to write, if you have not written a best-selling book yet, let alone by age 12, you're prob- that's a good sign you're not a writer. Yeah, of course. And some people come to it late, but those mm-hmm. people are freaks. Yeah. If you aren't a miraculous writer at a very young age, you're a failure. Well, it's sort of uh, similar in the Olympics. Mm. Uh, yes. Gymnasts. Yes. You know, it's sort of like your prime is when you're you know, yeah. 14, you know, it's the same for a writer yeah. that if you have not achieved success as a writer by yes. the age of 15, 16, I mean, it's sort of like there's always a chance, but it's much easier to give up. It's like that old joke. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Just be there already. Yeah. <laughs> if you just, just be born inside. <laughs> if you aren't already there, then you're probably not going to get there later. Yeah. Don't waste your time wandering around. Either be there yeah. or just enjoy the uh, Subway sandwich shop that you are and at now. There's also the other very famous expression. Uh, uh, how do you get to your own home? Practice, practice, practice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to be ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest thing of all. Mm. Um, and speaking of being ordinary, sure. your main character, your protagonist, ah. to use a little insider lingo, <laughs> yes. Ethan Jericho. Ethan Jericho. That's him. Seems almost as prolific and perfect as you. Well, have you ever heard of autobiography? I've heard of Otto von Bismarck. And I've have heard it. of autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. It's, is it something like that? I have also heard of autobiography. Oh, you've yes. heard of it too. Yes, I'm Could just have listening led with the... that as <laughs> that was the question. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of, anyway, I find it uh, autobiography is when a, an author writes about themselves. I wouldn't do that. I think it's trite. Yeah. However, I would put a cipher in my novel mm. who is sort of me or me, you know, as I maybe see certain situations. Yeah. And Cypher was one of the characters from The Matrix, I believe. Um, I don't, I've never seen a movie. <laughs> You've never seen I've any never movie. I've never seen a film. No movies. Not one. Do you have any background in film, though, making, writing? People ask me to direct and star in them, and I do, but I don't. <laughs> I never any awards won for any of those? Of course I've won awards. <laughs> sure. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but in The Matrix, mm. well, it starts with this guy, Neo, and he's okay. working in an office and he's he doesn't really- He's kind of really... a pill popper, right? A pill popper. Yeah, he's a yeah. bit of a pill popper and he's just looking for a pill to pop. <laughs> and he's working this day like job. red pills, blue pills. I'll I don't know which yeah. to choose. Yeah. And it. I don't want to spoil it, but okay. he does choose one. Okay. And he goes on the craziest adventure ah. of his lifetime. This sounds amazing. You'd really like it. And it's not an analogy or symbolism for anything. It's just a pure work. Symbolism is actually fake. Did you know that? What? It's so- not even real. <laughs> Wait, the, the idea of symbolism or what the thing uh, something might symbolize? Both what it might symbolize and the concept as a whole. Not real. A lie. Shit. I'm, I'm kind of getting angry just thinking of, I feel kind of tricked then. Good, stay yeah. angry. That's how we'll take them down. Take who and down? Yeah, who? Mm, exactly. Okay. okay, I like this vague anger that you, you I'm feeling. You won't say, but we'll know it when we see them? I just sort of want to lash out at anyone and everything. That's how we all need I to be. Kind of, I kind a little bit like Ethan Jericho. Ah, um, yes. Yes, yes. And Back to me. Yeah, so, so this guy is a bit of a cipher who we know is a character in The Matrix, right. a movie you haven't seen, mm. but probably had a hand in producing. Yeah, sure. He represents parts of you. You feel trapped. You feel yes. like you have potential in this world mm. that you can't quite 
Yes, well, yeah, that's interesting. I've never felt trapped. I've oh. always felt that the world was mine, and it could be because I'm a very, very wealthy man and always have been. <laughs> like, yeah. like Ethan Jericho. Oh, like Ethan like Jericho. Jericho. I sleep on a money. bed of gold. Okay. <laughs> doesn't sound comfortable, it's but not. it really it sends a message, though. <laughs> it does. And what are your sheets? <laughs> My sheets? Yeah. Sp- spun silver. Whoa. Do you know the story of Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. yeah. I've trapped him, and now he works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. you have a loom that you can spin silver on? Yes, and an evil, wicked man that I've captured. Do you pay him? No. <laughs> Despite oh. the fact that you have so much money. But I do sing to him because I'm a classically trained oh, opera that, That's star. worth something. I gotta say, does not surprise me. <laughs> no. I would love, I would hate to put you on the spot, but I would love to hear some of your classically trained opera singing. Of course. And that's a language I wrote. (laughs) I was going to say it sounds like Hebrew. (laughs) And I got to ask, have you won any awards for uh, your music? no. (laughs) What? (laughs) Vastly underrated in that world. That's the only one that we have proof of. Being good, yeah. <laughs> then you won wow. no awards. That is for a it. hard. I would say that's Tragedy. a hard left turn. Tragedy. <sighs> um. So I, uh, real quickly, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you while I've got you here one Please. more time. What was the name of that sword he used? The sword. <laughs> Oh, the sword of Fashtistata. <laughs> yes, that was the one. Yes. I guess that leads me to my bigger question: Where do you get your ideas? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Ideas are, um, do you know about candy dishes? <laughs> I, I, I know what they symbolize. Yes. Uh, candy dish is something a little old woman has in her home. Mm-hmm. Or a little old man. Sure. I'm not a sexist. Hey, it's 2019. It's 2019. <laughs> and men get... can be old too. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Someone let us get old. Yeah, Betty White, get to the Betty Wright and let me come in at night. My God, you're a poet. <laughs> well, I have won the uh, Big Poem Award. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. So these candy dishes. Ah. <laughs> so this the, is mind, you, yeah. the mind is like a, a candy dish set uh-huh. out by a little old woman. Mm-hmm. Feels like symbolism. Or man. Or old man. man. Feels like symbolism, but it's not. Yes, okay. <laughs> because, as I said, I'm a surgeon. Sure. I took out my own brain. <laughs> <laughs> And had it put in a candy dish, yes. where I sometimes massage the frontal lobe, mm-hmm. put it back in, sew it back together, and then I have my ideas. Oh, that's that's, that's such really a good smart. idea. Yeah, that's such a good idea. And attainable. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I think for our listeners at home, now you don't have an excuse. If you're sitting and you're like, oh, I haven't written a book yet. I haven't exactly. published anything. Get off your ass. Cut out your frontal lobe. Put it in a candy massage dish. It. Massage it. <laughs> stick it back in there. Yes. Suture it up. <laughs> yes. And write something. Yeah. Well, and this is, uh, I'm assuming this is a, an, an uh, affordable procedure. Well... Unfortunately, no. It's incredibly oh. expensive. However, not, if, not if you do it yourself. Not if you do it yourself. And Hello. you can train yourself or make a nice friend. Make a good, make a friend with a steady hand. Yeah. You know how like people will make uh, friends who are bartenders or exactly. work at a restaurant. You get a few perks on the side. Make friends with a brain surgeon. Brain surgeon. And have them be just a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> mad enough to take a risk. Exactly. Because yeah. the best ideas are the ones that are truly scary. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk a lot about I want to I wanted to touch a little bit about the beginnings of books because we're mm. talking about these ideas right. and having ideas and not everybody 
can be struck by the same bolt of genius. Not everybody can have a friend cut open their head, right? And, you know, do the whole procedure. And and talk right. About, which what is, an what an intro into into your story. I mean, right uh, off the bat, talking about cages. Right off the bat. Yes. And uh, you know, it's just it's. It really just paints a picture mm. and, and so uh, lets we, you know what you're in for. Exactly. It right. sets up the whole book. So we wanted to talk about what you think makes a great opening line to a novel. How do you start the book? And then maybe we can try and come up with a perfect line together. Well, oh, that's a wonderful idea. An exercise. Thank you. It was my idea. Oh, you should be a teacher. I uh, tried and I got kicked out because oh. I was too familiar with the students. Oh, <laughs> that like sounds, you just knew uh, too much about them, or or, um, or is this going to be bad? No, uh, no, I, yeah. I, we, we don't have okay, to. We don't have, all we, I'll say is, all I'll say is, we can cut these mics the off. Best, all I'll say is, the uh, best teaching doesn't always happen in the classroom. Oh boy, what's the kind of stuff that you remember learning? Biography. Um, you know, <laughs> well, that's the only one uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember mystery. biography. Oh, sure. Uh, all those biography. <laughs> I did accidentally. I said biography, <laughs> biology, chemistry, oh. math. Like, yeah, I don't really remember any of that stuff. Right. But do I remember how to roll a cigarette? Yep. Do I remember how to? Uh, Teach a dog how to fetch a stick? Yep. Seems like you're a tactile learner. You need to touch things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so my students, they can learn when, when we go on what we call Michael's Adventures. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we get out of the classroom and we learn what I call street smarts. Ah. Okay, I see where you're coming from now. Because I, 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 I had sort of a, an out-of-the-box uh, teacher when I was young. I was a... Oh. Uh, I actually did uh, take biography class. Yeah. Where, oh, wow. Uh, it was just sort of, it was like, uh, it was one of those, uh, what do you call those schools? They're like for Montessori. Montessori. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, we all knew we were going to be great and going to have biographies written about yeah. us. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a class to sort of teach you how to start writing your own autobiography. Oh. It was, uh, yeah. And and our teacher would take us on a out on adventures too to sort mm -hmm. of like, have life experience to then write about. Yeah, and it see, was great. Yeah. So I'm not the only one, and no. it's definitely not illegal. And I no. was just wanted to help the kids, and that's why we yeah. went on that boat. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. So I wanted to talk about the beginning. Oh, right. How do you start Opening a lines. novel? Opening Hard pivot. <laughs> Hard pivot. Well, the thing is, is you got to hook them, right? I hate advice about that's writing. That's the first thing I told the kids <laughs> when we were out on that boat. <laughs> Seems like you were fishing. <laughs> yeah, I was part of it. <laughs> how do you catch an idea? How, how do, do you, you catch, catch a fish? How do you solve a problem <laughs> like a novel yes <laughs> now you see, ah, the books are alive with the sound of ink <laughs> ink should scream at you from the page <laughs> i find you have to hook them and as as much as i you know i lament giving advice i lament uh, uh receiving advice but you have to hook them and how you hook them is um usually with a threat <laughs> yes so yes because the reader then it's not some passive thing no that oh Oh my God, you will go to prison for the rest of your life if you do not finish reading this book. I'll kill you if you don't read this book. Exactly. You've read my second novel. I have. Which was called? You, which was called, Hello, I'm a Pair of Shoes. <laughs> Nobel Prize. I I loved it. Unbelievable. It was uh it was from the shoes perspective. And the, yes, I, I want to say yeah. it's also it's not fair that I keep putting you on the spot. Colin, just really quickly name one of the books you wrote. 
Oh, the one of the books I wrote? Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, I had a book called uh, Blank Walls and Full Mind. <laughs> There you go. And full mind. And Michael, tell us about your novels. Me? Okay. Yeah. Well, I wrote one called There Goes Maria, and <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with uh, the Maria stuff we were talking about before. No, no, it's no. It's a story of a woman who just, she just goes off. And then I And have that's an, all the title? There Goes Maria. Yeah. It's not anything to do with Maria before. It's uh, just <laughs> oh, about a woman. All, all the title. Goes. Oh, so it's the book about? Experimental. <laughs> the book, surprisingly, <laughs> it's about types of sticks. A lot of people think, oh, the stick is just whatever part of the tree it is. Wrong. Some sticks are knuckles. Some sticks are fingers. Some sticks are legs. Now, here's here's what. When when does a branch become a stick? Great. Well, no spoilers, but let's just say a branch becomes a stick when it gets further away from the tree than it, when it's closer to the ground than Uh, it is to the tree. This is nonfiction. This is fiction. It was actually never published. (laughs) So we'll never so know. It doesn't matter. You now, can't is, there, is there a similar thing like with a branch to stick with, uh, let's say, limbs? Like, ah. is there a different term for an arm yes, once it's a off? chunk. Chunk of arm. Chunk of arm. <laughs> once it's not on your body, once it's on the ground. I mean, Ethan Jericho probably knows a thing or two about this. <laughs> Hello. It yeah. becomes chunk. Chunk of human. Yeah. What's a twig? <laughs> um, a twig is is basically a Do we child. Cover this? It's a child oh, of a stick. Mm. Yeah. Ah. A twig is is the progeny. Okay, so it has it has less to do with size and more to do with age of the stick. Exactly. Because uh, you can have you can have small adults. I I've can't learned. understand why this was never published. It's riveting stuff. <laughs> it, it's riveting. It, I'll just say it was a lot of pictures. <laughs> sure. Now, um, I want to ask. Let's get back on track. You know, because oh, somebody got a de- uh, got us derailed, and I don't remember who. <laughs> so. Uh, a threat is a great way to start it. So threat. something big, exclamatory, yes. and it sort of attacks the reader. Yeah, it doesn't even necessarily have to have anything to do mm. with the book after it. You okay. Know, I have a gun. Standalone. It's up to your head. <laughs> then, you know, oh, the little girl picked a flower, and we're off on yeah. a new story. And also, yeah, I, I think I've read this book of yours, too. It also was like, I have a gun. It's to your head if you... Look behind you. I will blow your head off. I will kill you. Yeah. The craziest yeah. part is when you're actually there doing yeah. that to someone. You know what? I, uh, I've i tried. <laughs> that is the craziest part. Because well, so you have to illegal. be in so many bookshops. You really you know do. What? You know what? I've, uh, I've, uh, I, well, I didn't develop the technology, but I was the uh-huh. first one to use it in books. You know, um, you know, greeting cards when you open them and a sound happens. Yes, I I've love done those. that with the front cover of a book, oh. but it's like a loud, like firecracker or gunshot Let's or like see. a big bang yeah. or just me screaming, "Hey!" <laughs> I love that. I, another one of my novels opened with uh, a mirror, and, oh. it, and you saw yourself in it, and then it shattered, and your hands got yeah. cut by the glass. Yeah. Oh. My my inner critic, for some reason, turned on me as soon as I opened that book, and uh, I did not like it. Too I, bad. I invented the book where it's, you open it, and it's origami, and what the origami is, it's basically a torso that extends behind you, and if you turn around, it's me with my arms crossed, shaking my head, going, uh-uh. No, uh-huh. thank you. And get back to reading, I <laughs> seem to say. That is so great. And when you sell so few books, it's easier to be there when everyone, when each person who bought Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if it, you just do one book that you give as a gift to your fiance, then yeah, you know where you've got to be. Right. So, okay. So let's let's focus. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm laser focused and have been the whole time. Well, and I would actually really appreciate it if you put down those lasers ah. that you've been holding at us. I gotta say, I, I you are dressed 
in such an odd manner because <laughs> yes. you've, you're covered in these gold chains. You have exactly. these lasers, but you're also... Uh -huh. Um, you're wearing what I call a dirty tunic. A dirty tunic, yes. And did you? Would you believe it if I told you it was forty-five thousand dollars? <laughs> <sighs> so if anybody that's else like told expensive, me, that no. must be dirt from like like the Andes or like some like. It's the dirt like, from the inside of the pyramids of Giza, and we had to pay the oh. government of Egypt for the dirt. <laughs> that's. I mean, the import fee alone is exactly. going to get you. Great. Now, if we could just get back on track. Yes. So, <laughs> you want to start with a threat, hook them in, uh -huh. and then is there anything else that we need, you know, in terms of character, setting, mm. um, plot, or, or, or is it just about grabbing their attention? <clears throat> yes. Uh, this is tricky. Everyone's opinions differ, but mine's the only one that's right. Mm. I trust you. You need a good character. You need something to get behind, unless you're writing a book that has no character. Mm. Mm. Like a map. <laughs> exactly. Like a map. <laughs> I have what or are a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. Or a cookbook. Yeah, or what are the what are those books that are like just one big sheet and you hang on your wall and it's like a cat hanging Tapestry. from Tapestry. Oh, oh, you're thinking poster. <laughs> yes. I love those books and I have so many. <laughs> you read a lot. <laughs> yeah, I really I just love reading. Exactly. Yeah, you Some read, would uh, say the cat was the character in that. Oh yeah, I guess so. Mm. Okay. And the hang in there is sort of like the hey! Hang in there, it's asshole! A it's yeah. a threat. And that's what hooked you. Yeah, it got me. And you finished it. So, <laughs> You're uh, a quick reader. I guess all we really need is this like engaging <laughs> first line. I'd love to go around and maybe we can just <clears throat> workshop some lines. I have some famous lines from oh, books, great. and we could maybe try to make those a bit more engaging. Oh, yeah, sure. I think that's a wonderful idea. Okay, so... um, <laughs> Okay, here's, here's one. Toni Morrison in Beloved. Eh, might as well start with Toni Morrison. Sure. First line is, 124 was spiteful. 124 is spiteful. What I like is that spiteful is negative. Yeah, it kind of gets you right and there. I'm a little, I'm a little like, scared. Uh, is Tony mad? Tony's <laughs> a dear friend, of course. Really? <laughs> but now I'm thinking, is Tony mad at me? Right, probably because you didn't return a call. Didn't or... return a call, didn't return a text. Tony's crazy with texting. <laughs> she loves emojis. So, but, but I, you know, I hate to give a friend um, advice. The bluest eye, more like the bluest little thing on my phone saying she texted me because she's got an iPhone, it's blue. It's not like the green ones with an Android. Right. The bluest <laughs> response. It works. It works. It works. But it works. You know what works. they say? If it's if it's long and rambly, it's gonna be a catchy thing to remember and to use and say it multiple <laughs> to, times. To put on a shirt, even. <laughs> so what do we say? What is it? One twenty four was spiteful. Yes, that's how she wrote it. But I think we can make it a little better. Punch it up. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the first number could be bigger. Yeah. I so love that. Let's say one million twenty four. One yeah. million twenty four, and then I would say. Is it yeah. uh, viruses? <laughs> One million twenty-four viruses uh -huh. were spiteful. We're spiteful for you, <laughs> asshole. Asshole. So twenty exclamation points. Yes. Play with punctuation. Yes. <laughs> throw them off. Throw them off the scent. Twenty exclamation points is so many that they're gonna say, "Whoa, what is this book about?" It must be art. What is this, Dave Eggers? <laughs> Okay, so one a million. Dear friend, <laughs> you know Dave. I love Dave. Oh gosh, he seems so postmodern. McSweeney, <laughs> also a dear friend of yours. Yes. Okay, so let's jump to a Samuel Beckett quote from ah. the Unnameable. Starts with "Where now? Who now? When now?" 
Ugh. Sorry. I, I mean, can we start even before yes. the for, name the goddamn book? Right. Don't Unnameable. Name Unnameable. What am I at the MoMA? Yeah. Come on. I bet you could have thought of something. something Untitled yeah. number three. No, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, okay, so like let's that. rename his book to the nameable book, which is named Big Day for Sam. <laughs> I love that. Great. Big Day for Sam. Yep. All right. And then so. What is it? Yeah, where where now? Who now? When now? Okay, I've got a really good pitch. Where hear. now? Your bedroom. <laughs> who now? You, asshole. And when now? Uh, right about now. As if you don't start reading, I'm going to hit you. Well, this this first sentence seems like such a cop-out. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, people tell you when you're writing, they're mm-hmm. like, who, what, why, where, when. Yes. I mean, he just had all those questions in his first line. Right. I mean, maybe since we're changing it to a big day for Sam. Yeah. (laughs) What if it's Sam is at the bottom of a well and it's your fault? (laughs) That's good. I am reading this book. I want to know how he got there. I want to know what I did. (laughs) Yes. Don't want to do it again. And I would really like to help him get out if I can. Right. He's probably mad at me. Or or do you want to help him out? Maybe you put him there for a reason. You don't remember. You got to keep reading. Keep Mm. reading to find out Mm -hmm. why you did this. This is great. You ready for another one? Sure. Uh, for a long time, I went to bed early. That's Marcel Proust uh, right. in the beginning of Swan's Way. For a long time, I went to bed early. For a long time, I went to bed Sounds early. Sounds like a nerd. He goes to bed early. Yeah, I'm not like loving that. that. Not I, loving so that. let's change it to for a long time, I stayed out till two, three, four in the morning. Yeah. Just doing partying. Partying. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. like doing Molly and drinking Yeah, Jager, yeah. But I think partying We're on is, the same page. Partying yeah. is, uh, I, I'd say, more general and vague, which I think is good for books. Yes, and conciser. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes, I love so when a book I, is conciser. I was at I was out all night partying. Help me. <laughs> That's good. I think it could also be uh, I was out all night partying, uh-huh. but don't think I'm not alert. Oh yes, because I'm gonna good. find you and I'm gonna get you. Yes, I was out all night partying, but I still have a knife. <laughs> yes, I never <laughs> lost my knife, even in that sophomore's party. Yes. Oh, huh? it's a collegiate party. Well, so- this was a high school party. <laughs> oh. The character went to. Ah, I've okay. never read it. To help the the kids' students keep from drinking too much. Are we talking about you again at this moment? You're draw- Are you drawing on like from real life to sort of punch up this? I uh, will be the first to say I do not get Proust, so I don't know what's going on. No there. one. You know, does. I tried to. I tried to read it, and I was like, no cookie has ever made me remember this much. <laughs> so that was a big. Plot point. Oh sure. Oh yeah. I mean, you don't have we've to tell us. Read yeah, we we've read all, it. Yeah. We've all oh, read I thought. It. Yeah, I thought that was for the benefit of the listener. Yeah, we. Yeah, we, we know. We yeah, all the course. cookie. Yeah, we the all cookie. Know. Yeah, the um, cookie monster. I think we have time for one more. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> and a- Alex, I know we lost the Hilton sponsorship. Any right. others come in? Anybody else? I know Best Western. We've been trying to make a plea. Best we said Western. Best Western. No. Better than sleeping on the ground. Yeah. No. We no had, others? No. Well, that's too bad, Alex. Cool. Do you think that's your fault? No. The, hmm. they, they really just don't agree with the content of the show. What about uh, huh. uh, Worst Eastern? Do they do they sponsor us? I, did, or is, I, don't, is that, I might have made it up. I, I, what about I just, Super yeah. 8 or their partner, OK4? Which um, also describes my dating history. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll certainly take all this Great. Is this, not, is this really not the time or the place for this? I think Finish, finish the interview. Okay, ah, real quick. Sure. Uh, any callers? 
Uh, are there any callers? No, we don't have a phone. Interesting. Fair enough. Seems okay. dangerous. I knew uh, I should have bought a phone. Can we just focus this up uh, yeah, real yes. quick? Yeah, let's just, so, let's just, laser uh, guns are heavy. Uh, let's just focus right. this in uh, a little quickly. bit. I do want to say you have been licking your wounds this whole time. <laughs> oh, yes. I should have told the listeners I have several open gashes. Uh, it might have to do with the the uh, the Egyptian uh, uh, pyramid uh, dirt and the, the gold dust? chain. Yeah. yeah, the Giza dust and the chains. Could be, but alas, <laughs> science will never know why I'm bleeding from my body. And that's yeah. sad to hear yeah. coming from a doctor. From a doctor. And but not of science. <laughs> of medicine. Yes, and medicine and science, never the twain shall never meet. Never the twain shall meet. Mark Twain, hello. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I have a quote by Thomas Pynchon. <laughs> Gravity's rainbow, another science thing. Ah. And this, the first line was, a screaming comes across the sky. Now, this, this has been getting, my favorite one so far. It's getting closer. It's yeah. already good because I'm like, I don't get it, but I... <laughs> I'm scared a little. I'm scared. I'm a little freaked out. I would just change a screaming to an asteroid comes across the sky. <laughs> At a, a 1 million and 24 miles per second. Yeah, and, ah. if, and if I could add on to it, it would be uh, oh, yeah, an please. asteroid comes across the sky and a screaming comes from all the people on Earth watching the asteroid coming for them. Including you. And time's running out. And what's the best thing to do? Read a book. Read a book. Also, I have a gun to your head. Don't turn around or I shoot you. Now we're making novels. Now we're writing. And I just want to um, say that uh, we don't always do this, Colin and I, uh, giving out free advice like this. But we will say if you are stuck and you need to write a book tonight, here's one free line that you can use to begin your book. Um, if you ever want to see your kids again... Mm. Read this book. So just start with that, and you yeah. can go. You yeah. can go from there. Yeah. And then you might want to do a second paragraph. Don't have kids. I've got someone else you care about. Oh, don't have kids? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? Your best friend yeah. is here with me. Exactly. And I got a knife up to his or her little jugular. <laughs> little jugular. <laughs> just to cover all your bases. <laughs> I've kidnapped someone you love. Read my book. Yes. <laughs> well, I gotta say. Dr. Isaiah Padge. That's my name. I think <laughs> it's written in dirt across your tunic. Yes, it is. We have been so honored to have you here. Thank you. And a, a person of such acclaim, so many awards. This is, I will say, the last opportunity if you did want to make any sort of confessions or just sort of lay bare, because I don't I don't want to say I'm suspicious. Mm. Um, because your confidence ah. makes me feel uh, insecure. Yes. Mm. And I just like to say that I would follow you anywhere because oh, you're very confident and just project confidence, and, and I, yeah. I would sort of trust you implicitly. That's yeah. how you ended up living on that farm upstate for six years with that man, old, old Father Winkling. Yeah, Winkling? but it was great. Old Father Winkling. It was great until it all went horribly wrong, so yes. I don't know why you... Keep bringing that up. And anything can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why I don't vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because anything could go wrong. That's a really good perspective. I think it's the only one. <laughs> well, I guess if I had to confess something, it's that I have a new book coming out <laughs> That's tomorrow. Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. And it's called <laughs> The Lampshade's Desire <laughs> by Dr. Isaiah Page. Look for it. Local bookstores. 
Thank- or in Mega Chains. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe go to a Mega Chains. I will say, easier to find the books you want in Mega Chains. Can we? I think uh, if we can go out on two messages, it would be don't vote. And support mega change. Support mega change. They're gonna have the book you want. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. It was an honor. <laughs> wow, you know, I think that went really well. I think so too. That was great. You can put down those lasers now. Ah, I can't. They're what? sewed to my arms. Oh, oh. I see that now. Yeah, <laughs> but you. Freaky. What's interesting is he also uh, attached prosthetic hands to make it look. Like his yeah. hands are holding them, but those are all fun. Yeah. I uh, just last, last, and we're, we're done recording. Um, how did you get in here? Hmm? How did you get in here? Broke we did through not, the window. Huh. We did not yeah. have a recording schedule today. No, yes. we didn't. Yeah. Windows are glass and you can break glass. Oh, that is true. Well, I know how I'm getting home tonight. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the, the end, end of that chapter. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.